They took Mother prisoner at half-past two on Christmas Day morning. By then they had no option. It was an act of kindness, or defense at any rate. It was a sad and wisely made decision, the sort most normally taken by civil servants in the way that they have, safe behind reinforced glass. Midwinter, midnight, bleak and frosty, but with no wind moaning. And another thing, Heavenly Father, sometimes I wake up so frightened about what's going to happen to me in the day. Why did you make us the only species able to understand about torture? Through the comfortable square of curtain, through the draped security of strangers, we can see Vanessa Townsend finishing her conversation with God. She has just put down the silence of the lambs. A winter mist hangs round the old-fashioned streetlight outside her window, held in silence by the stillness of the night. The wide-awake girl has the cloudy smell of Johnson's powder. She is blameless in white, waiting for Mother to come home, forcing herself to stay alert, so that as soon as the house goes finally quiet and Mother drags herself upstairs to bed, she can creep around with the pillowcases she keeps hidden in the back of her wardrobe, and then she can turn off her light and her head. Her dressing gown is laid out on the edge of her bed, ready. Within the walls of the house, nothing seems about to happen. The silence is complete. They hadn't had any sort of Christmas last year, and she cannot, will not. She has sworn on her holy Bible that she will never allow that to happen again. Vanessa is responsible, and there is nobody else. It's all up to her, and she is sure she's remembered everything, exactly how it used to be. The freezer is full, and there is a Marks and Spencer Christmas cake in the pantry. She's remembered the crackers, even a packet of indoor fireworks. Dominic, the man of the house, Camilla, and the twins, Sasha and Amber. Well, they're asleep, put to bed with strict instructions, not to dare to wake up until seven o'clock at the earliest. That's not surprising. They are all worn out. They lugged the decoration trunk down from the attic and spent the evening decorating the hall, the drawing room, and the sweet-smelling tree that they'd all gone to fetch from Mr. Gribble's after tea. It took ages to finish the job properly because the house is a tall one, Georgian and elegant, with high-ceilinged rooms and three flights of stairs. The two illuminated Tiffany pineapples, which stand sentinel on their wrought-iron stalks, beside the grandish navy front door, are part of Mother's protest against what she calls the mediocrity of this blighted world of Boots, Barretts, and the Bradford and Bingley. So the house is entirely decorated to Mother's taste now, candy-striped like a chocolate box, lined with padded curtains and bows. Jade vases of jelly bean green are spotted in the alcoves, and the carpets are so thick you can move unnoticed anywhere. They have laid Mother's presents under the tree, 
There is one with a ribbon. It looks expensive. It must be from Daddy. They have opened the pile of Christmas cards which Mother ignored, or tore from their envelopes with careless indifference, and they have covered the mantelpiece, the bookshelves, and fixed lengths of cotton along the wall to take them all, to display them properly. There are a hundred and forty-seven cards, so someone, somewhere, must have liked Mother once. She always says she's popular. Once, during the evening while Dominic was balanced on the stepladder leaning over the tree with the fairy, they were interrupted by Ilsa's return.